Hi, I'm Matthew. We're a collaboration of former sufferers helping people deal with stress, anxiety, panic attacks, and agoraphobia. I want to first explain how you can make sure that you are not missing out on any of our content. To get instant access to the five steps to recovery from stress, anxiety, panic attacks, and agoraphobia, please visit our website and simply provide your email address. All of our information is absolutely free. And our information can be helpful for anyone wishing to improve the quality of his or her life. Please visit our website at panicattackrecovery.com. Welcome to another podcast episode. In this episode, I want to begin by discussing the difference between happiness and pleasure. Then, I will share some ideas with you so that you can apply this information and lessen your anxiety. And the best thing is, by doing so, you can improve your life at the same time. In part, what I am about to say is based on the work of Dr. Robert Lustig, an endocrinologist. Dr. Lustig discusses the concept of happiness versus pleasure through his talk published through the University of California television YouTube channel. It's a really interesting and informative video. There are many tips and pieces of information in that video, so I would encourage you to do a search on YouTube and listen to his talk in full. However, what I want to focus on today is the concept of happiness versus pleasure at the biological level, as discussed by Dr. Lustig. At a biological level, he simplifies the distinction by discussing two neurotransmitters, dopamine and serotonin. To explain this idea further, here is a quick refresher from a previous podcast episode of ours you may have heard. We need to cover a little bit of the biological makeup of the brain to understand how today's topic relates to serotonin and dopamine. A neuron or nerve cell, which is another name used to refer to neurons, is an electrically excitable cell that receives, processes, and transmits information through electrical and chemical signals. Neurons are the primary components of the central nervous system, which includes the brain and spinal cord and nervous system in general. Here's an example that might be helpful. If you think about an electrical circuit in your home, in order to power your appliance requires electrical energy. This electrical energy is transferred through wires to the various outlets in your home. This is similar on one level to the electrical circuitry in your brain and nervous system. This is because electrical impulses are transferred through your brain and nervous system by neurons which connect to each other. These signals between neurons occur via specialized connections called synapses. Neurotransmitters are a substance that transmits nerve impulses across a synapse. So the neurotransmitters we're discussing today are dopamine and serotonin. So these are substances that allow the nerve impulses to transfer across synapses and allows your neurons to connect with each other. Dr. Lusdig explains how those things that bring you immediate pleasure in life can cause a hit of the neurotransmitter dopamine in your brain. Dopamine provides that quick hit of short-term pleasure. It can be associated with addictive behaviors. Over time, you see, one builds tolerance to a particular substance or source of pleasure, and it takes more of that item, that substance, to generate that same feeling that one has come to expect. 
Dr. Lustig explains that yes, we can be addicted to drugs and alcohol, but we can also be addicted to substances as simple as coffee and material possessions and habits that give you that short burst of dopamine. In short, anything you feel you must have that is not a necessity of life that interferes significantly with your daily life if you don't have it could be a signal of addiction. So, for example, if you can't go about your daily activities in life without constantly thinking about needing that substance or needing to do that activity that brings you that short burst of dopamine and it's really interfering with all of your other activities in your daily life, that could be a signal for addiction. There are various addictions that people, people can be addicted to shopping. People can be addicted to any behavior that gives them that short burst of dopamine. Now, is it all bad? No, but let's continue the discussion to understand more. Dr. Lusdig also explains that those things that bring you true happiness in life are related to the neurotransmitter serotonin. Serotonin leads to contentment. Serotonin actually inhibits excitement between nerve cells, and that is what causes one to feel content. Or you may have heard the term zenning out, where you don't need anything else in the moment. You are happy. Now, there are many ways that you can increase serotonin naturally that we share through our various podcasts, videos, and free newsletter. However, today, I want to provide you with some quick and easy ways to make way, so to speak, in your life so that those things that may be blocking you from happiness, as we have now discussed it, are no longer in your way to happiness. Does this sound good? In my experience, some truly great ways to allow you to focus on what really makes you happy in life is by integrating three principles into your daily life. These three principles are the following. Simplify, minimize, organize. Simplify, minimize, organize. Commit these to memory and they will serve you well. I will present some basic examples of each principle. However, I will keep the examples simple because of the following. Number one, it is important to think about these things in principle to start with. Number two, once you get the principles down, you really need to think about how they are most relevant to your life, to you. Number three, this will be more of an ongoing process where you can integrate these principles into your life and continue to improve it, this will also make you feel better and reinforce the tendencies to integrate these principles into your daily life. And finally, really because there is no shortage of good examples online for free that could help you with these various principles, once you get the basics down and think about how it will integrate into your life, you will become very creative and you will find that there is no shortage of resources to provide further expansion of these principles into your life. Okay, so now starting with the concept of simplify. Simplify would be to start by thinking about how you can make things simpler in your daily life. Here's a very simple idea. Let's say that you have a half a dozen different keys to open various locks, maybe at your home or in your work. Might it be possible to synchronize your locks so you don't have to spend time finding the specific key every time? In other words, could you reduce the number of different keys required down to maybe half or maybe one or two keys? 
uh, if this is feasible. In some cases, it may be required that you need to have different keys, but often at home and in some workplaces, there is some control to be able to synchronize keys so that you can not have to spend time finding what keys you require to open a cabinet, a door, what have you. If not, if you can't synchronize them, can you clearly mark or label using a sticky label, a small sticky label, and color code the keys so that you don't have to spend time figuring out which key to use every time. Again, same as synchronizing. If you can't synchronize the locks, you can at least color code or clearly mark which key opens what. Perhaps you might consider a combination lock on different things so that you don't have to worry about keys. So using combination locks can be another way to achieve this synchronicity. You can then set the combinations to be the same combination so you don't have to remember a number of combinations for locks. There are even digital options nowadays, so there are many possibilities in this one simple example. And that's what's really great about simplifying. When you spend some time thinking about how to simplify things in your life, I think you will be amazed with what you will discover. Here's another simple example. Categorize items on your desk and filing cabinet and computer so that they are organized into folders. Common sense, but many people don't do this especially with computers. As great as search functions can be on your computer, they have their limits. Often organizing your folders in a way that makes sense to you can still be the most efficient way to deal with organizing your folders and information. Here's an example from when I went to university. I would often get my clothes ready the night before. I would lay them all out. They would be ready to go. And this probably seems like such a small step but it actually made such a difference in the mornings. It made me more efficient and less stressed. This was especially helpful because I worked a part-time job as well, so I really needed to be efficient with my time in any way possible. The second principle is to minimize. A way to think about minimizing is to get rid of things you don't require anymore and really don't care about anymore. So think about decluttering. You will recall from a previous podcast of ours about using your surroundings to lessen your anxiety. However, you also think about the above example, we're talking about digital examples. So can you minimize your digital world as well? Are there a number of files and pictures and things that you really don't need anymore that you can get rid of to declutter your electronic environment? Some suggestions from our previous podcast that I just mentioned were the following. Throw out or donate old things when they are replaced with something new. Periodically visit your home and decide what things you really value. If you don't value them, consider throwing them out or donating them. Take some time each day just to straighten or clean up. You don't have to take very long to do this. However, doing so will make the process much more manageable when done over time as opposed to saving up items and having to tackle the process like a major project that takes a very long time to complete and you will put off because you dread doing so. If you want more tips, you can even do an internet search on decluttering and organization and minimalism. There are various TED Talks on YouTube on minimalism that you might find helpful and interesting in this regard. The third principle I want to mention today is to organize. So to organize would be to spend time on a regular basis with a day planner or electronic planner. That's one example of organizing. Stick to a system so that you can keep it simple and become proficient with a particular planning option so you can quickly use it. Taking time to plan can be very powerful. 
I remember hearing a true story about a regional manager at a company. He was someone who you would look at him and you would almost assume he was asleep. He almost seemed dozy, not with it. But he always had this little book with him at the time, and it was turned out to be a day planner or a journal. But because of his meticulous use of a day planner, he was extremely organized. It turned out he was the most successful regional manager at the time in this company. And that was really quite an accomplishment because it was a major company. And what was really interesting is, again, if you looked at him on the outside, you, you wouldn't think he was doing much, but he was extremely effective. And this illustrates how important organizing and planning is. And that's why I really wanted to cover this as the first example of organization. But not only is such organization important at work, but it is just as important in your personal life as well. In fact, it may be more important because some people without the structure and organization of work can become very passive and feel down over time, almost lethargic and unmotivated and unpassionate. However, by deciding on what makes you truly happy in life and organizing your time to do these things can help you stay on track. And don't worry, there is definite overlap between these three concepts. However, that doesn't matter. In fact, they work together synergistically. That's the great thing about them. So you could look at organization and think of various ways that you can organize your life further rather than just planning your time. And that was just one example. And you could also say, well, a lot of it overlaps to simplicity. Fine. No problem. Again, the great thing is that they overlap and they work together. For instance, when you are stuck with a problem in life, whatever it is, see if any of the three principles can work. So in other words, can I introduce some simplicity into the problem? Can I minimize something to help the problem? Can I organize better to get through this challenge? For example, I was recently writing an article. I really felt stuck on where to go next because it felt like I was making no progress. I had reached a point where I just couldn't get anywhere. However, I thought about simplifying and instantly I had an answer. It was quite impressive because as soon as I thought about simplifying, the answer came to me. Now, I'm not saying that it'll always be this quick, but it can be. What I discovered is I was making the article way too complicated, so I had to focus back on the basics again. Once I came back to the article with a renewed perspective of simplifying the material, I was right back on track. Another thing I've noticed, if I'm trying to work on something at home, like assemble a new cabinet, what a difference it makes to have an organized workbench so that I can quickly find the tool I need or tools I need and then I don't end up going into the garage to the workbench and getting off track on something else. I can go in, get the tools I need, and get right back on track. Of course, the appropriate way to do it is get your tools ready to go. When you look at the instructions, you'll see what tools you need. By carrying out the process of these three things, simplify, minimize, organize, you can become focused on those things that you have determined lead to true happiness for you. And recalling Dr. Luzdig's talk, True happiness is related to serotonin. Two examples from Dr. Luzdig's talk were the following. Two ways to increase happiness. Making a contribution and practicing mindfulness. Being mindful in our day-to-day -day activities. Now, there were more examples in Dr. Luzdig's talk, and you can go back and listen to those ways to increase happiness. But let's focus on just two. By making a contribution to others we can truly feel good. But also, most things that make us happy 
are things where we can make a difference in others' lives. It could be in our friends' lives. It could be in our family's lives. It could be in society in general, to others. So making a contribution to others, not for yourself, but often those things you are truly passionate about and make you truly happy are areas where you can make a contribution to society. So you're helping others and feeling better. So it is helping you, but you're making a contribution to others. That's what is really important. Secondly, being mindful about what you're doing while you're doing it. I mean, that's what mindfulness is. It's being aware of what you're doing in the present moment, being aware of the present moment, enjoying the present moment more, rather than looking for that quick hit dopamine rush. You can feel very content, zened out, as we said, but by practicing these principles naturally leads you to be more mindful. You simplify, you declutter, you organize your life. You're most mindful about what's important and that's incredibly helpful for your life. But also it allows you to best make a contribution and leads to true happiness. So in other words, I would argue that these three concepts, simplifying, minimizing, and organizing, can allow you to boost your serotonin naturally and focus on those things that truly make you happy. Long term, this will serve you because it positions you better as less prone to anxiety because your focus is elsewhere. Moreover, the power of simplifying, minimizing, and organizing to enable you to improve your life cannot be overestimated. And the great thing, because many of us have recently started a new year, there is no better time than right now for you to start to apply these concepts in your life. I would like to conclude by recommending that right now, you consider getting started by brainstorming and then writing down some ideas on how you can shape your life with these concepts. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast. If so, we would like to ask you to complete a review of our podcast on iTunes. This won't take long at all. This will ensure that we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate your support. To thank you, we would like to share with you the five steps to recovery from stress, anxiety, panic attacks, and agoraphobia. Please visit our website and simply provide your email address. All of our information is absolutely free. And remember, anyone can benefit from our material. Please visit our website at panicattackrecovery.com. All information presented in these podcasts is provided for educational and informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for a psychologist, psychiatrist, or other healthcare provider's consultation. Please consult a psychologist, psychiatrist, or appropriate healthcare provider about the applicability of any opinions or recommendations with respect to your own panic attacks, anxiety, or agoraphobia, or any other symptom or condition.